My name is Jared Williams, and this is the Startup Blueprint, the podcast designed for entrepreneurs, startups, and anyone who has ever wanted to turn a good idea into a great business. My guest today started his career as a personal trainer and through years of hard work has risen to the top of the industry. He's now a recognized and well-respected fitness model and influencer. He's built a highly engaged following. He's graced the covers of a number of top fitness magazines and more recently, he's launched an online platform designed to support, inspire and motivate millions of people to live happier, healthier lives. These days, this online platform is clearly his pride and joy, but as this episode shows, the first version wasn't quite as polished. I always thought that I released my product. Looking back now, it looks so rubbish, so dated, so terrible, but then- You still got the original version, right? I do, yeah, exactly. It's a Word document and um, yeah, very, very basic, but I think it's, there's lessons in that and that is you'll never be 100% ready to, to press the trigger and go for it until you do it, realize, oh crap, that's rubbish. I need to sort that out. And that like increases the intensity to make it happen and makes you scared, gives you that fear to speed up and make it happen. That was Alex Crockford, the founder of CrocFit, and you are listening to the Startup Blueprint. We're going to dive straight in here with Alex talking about his younger years and how he first got involved in the fitness industry. Let's go back to where it all began. Let's tell me about kind of life before fitness. You you grew up in Middlesex. Yeah, Ashford, Middlesex, with my with my dad and my sisters and um, my mum. But my mum and dad divorced a bit earlier on. But great friends and. I was um, brought up fantastically by them both. I went, I was always sporty, so fitness was a part of my life, but it was obviously sports first in basketball and football. Um, In school and college, I did all the academic stuff, but not very well. I was just an average student. It was always sports and physical stuff. Um, Yeah. Did, did Did you ever kind of think about taking that professionally? Um, there may have been some early thoughts as a young boy thinking I'd love to be a professional football player because I, I think that's what everybody thinks when they're young. But um, I don't know what it was or whether it wasn't a big passion of mine or whether the self-belief wasn't there, but I, that didn't grow in my mind when yeah. I went further into fitness. Um, I didn't think about being professional. Yeah, and you, you studied fitness at, at, yeah. at university, so it's obviously... Yeah. A big part of your life back mm. then. Um, what 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 was the plan at that stage? Well, I remember in even college, um, so that's how old, like 15, 16, 17 years old. Um, even then, when you're asked to choose which university and, and which um, courses to do, I chose this fitness and personal training course and other sports science courses in a, a variety of universities. But even then, I was like, do I want to be a personal trainer? I know it's definitely fitness and sports, but there's so many avenues and directions. But I got the place at university, and by the time I was going through the process, I enjoyed it more and more and more. Um, and I thought, yeah, personal training is mm. for me. Um, but it's funny how I didn't know for sure that's what I wanted to do. I just knew it was something along those lines. And it was a three a three year degree, just like. Um, many degrees, whereas some personal trainers do quick courses when they know that for sure. So it was a nice long process to really feel what a personal trainer mm. um, should be doing. What's your? I've, I've, I've spoken to a couple of uh, PTs recently and, and on the show, and and the topic that we eventually landed on is what what's we, we're kind of jumping in the deep end here. But what's your view on how easy it is to become a, like because there's yeah. such a breadth. Mm-hmm. of of skill set yeah levels of care compassion yeah. empathy ev- like across the board what, what, what's your view on, on 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 that area it really is very easy to become a personal trainer and that's okay um generally speaking i think as long as the customer and the people hiring personal trainers know that and can make judgments on who they're hiring 
um, as their personal trainer and understanding more about their qualification or their testimonials, who they've worked for. And and now social media is so big, they can dig deeper into their website and their social media and what mm-hmm. they're talking about and whether they like them with the with the compassion and what their beliefs are. Um, but on the other side, it is a little bit dangerous as well because with just a, a short, small course, there may be some very... Um, uneducated people going out there working with people um, without the knowledge but with that being said just like most things you learn most when you're on the job when you start personal training and getting the work done and meeting more and more people and helping people you get better and better clocking out the hours yeah <laughs> as I did do you what do you this is an interesting one if you are if we ask 100 people on the street how long a PT has to train for what do you yeah. think they'd say um, I don't know what I would say. I'm not yeah. sure we're both part of the industry, so I, don't, I, I genuinely it's, don't know what... No, I don't know what they'd say either. Um, I think people generally see it as a, a high-qualified job, Yeah. Um, but I doubt people would realise that you can do a quick, short course mm. that you can do these days. Interesting. <laughs> so sticking on the sub- subject, you landed... Um, at David Lloyd? Yeah, David yeah. Lloyd in Weybridge, near where I live. So the course... At university in Southampton was three years long. After the second year, you become level two, so like a, a fitness instructor, but without the one-to-one um, qualification. So you needed experience in a gym space. So I went straight to David Lloyd, didn't tell them it was experience, just went for the job, kept the job. So throughout the whole of third year university, I was working in weekends um, at David Lloyd and driving up and down the motorway every weekend. And then when I finished uh, the degree, I then came straight full-time. It was there, ready for me to just take up the PT um, yeah. and go full steam ahead on it. So, does that feel like a far cry now, that, that that kind of time of your life? It feels like another life ago. Yeah. But it really does. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, like it does feel like a very long time ago. Um, but I can also feel how I felt back then as well with the passion um, and the ambition of wanting to achieve more mm. um so yeah if 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 i if i'd asked you back then you know let, let's say on your first full time you know studies done first full time um at, in in waybridge at david lloyd what you wanted to achieve what what success looked like what what would you have said um it's really tough because i am always extremely ambitious um but I find that my life goals and business goals always adjust and merge, just like anybody. As you learn more about yourself, your target changes a little bit more. But I've always worked extremely well with short-term targets. When somebody shows me what's in front of me, then I'm really good at going after it and very motivated and fast-paced. So when it comes to what does success look like to me then, um, I, don't, I don't know. I definitely didn't see what I'm doing now because that wasn't a part of my mind then. I didn't really understand it. Um, back then, it would have been be a full-time PT, get off of the, the low-paid shift work and have 30 clients. And I always had that. And David Lloyd have, just like most corporate chains, have the, the kind of the growth platform of uh, earning more as you do more and decreasing your shifts. So that was, in my mind, quite solidly for two or three years but um, at that same point I did already have goals in the fitness modeling side of things and I had these cravings of wanting to be known or be on that magazine cover that I'd read for years and years as a teenager so I had that playing in my mind as well which was very external to David Lloyd and personal training. Do you, do you think you were kind of like trying to balance those long-term goals and short-terms or, or, or have you always been quite kind of like, you know, what's what's going on in the next few months, six months? Um, yes, there's always been a balancing act between those, um, but I think mostly motivated by the short-term and what's in front of me, um, but also thinking, what is it that I really want longer-term and what do I need to do now? But I think that's as I've grown up and become more experienced, I've realized that the longer game, when you want something bigger, only happens when you start making those early actions mm. to make a change. That's great. I love that. And I, I, I fully agree. Yeah. So you you were 
just so we got kind of like an idea of timeline here, you, you were at David Lloyd for six years mm-hmm. and about halfway through that process, I guess the, the thing that you added, the string to your bow was that, was that modeling. Yeah. How, how did that come, come around other than just wanting to appeal yeah. to these magazines? How, how did that, how did that come around? Um, well, social media for one, um, Instagram started to come around. I, I wasn't the first or the earliest um, person on Instagram, but I wasn't late either. I think I was probably starting to post um, in 2014 and 2015 um, whilst I was personal training. But just um, like most things with the fitness modeling, it was in my mind for ages before taking any actions, before starting to ask somebody, how do you become a model or um, how do you get a place at an agency? So I went through that process, applied for a fitness agency here in London, got the space at, at the agency and just like most things at the time it feels like everything is so slow and why isn't anything happening but looking back I think the the progress was quite quick I think I had my first professional um, fitness modeling job maybe three or four months after getting the space at the agency and they were scattered for maybe a year and then the momentum really started to build up in the second year like mid 2015 how did you choose your agent um, at the time, there seemed to be one big main sports agency here in London called W Athletic back then, which is now um, W Model Management. There was lots of commercial fashion industry, uh, like industry uh, agencies, but not many sports ones, or there were some smaller ones. But um, I had a friend that knew them, so it's always connected in some mm. way. Yeah, I've, I mean, it's not, not a space I know too well. Um, it's a space I almost expect there to be a bit few horror stories about people getting screwed over, but I, I, I don't know. Is that something you've, you've heard, encountered, seen? Um, maybe more so in the fashion industry than the sports one, but it's still very difficult. It, you still have to be strong-minded, and those times um, taught me a lot. And in fact, going back through, I think, the work ethic that I have now, we may get deeper into that, but is all a part of my history and my life. And I think the work ethic teaches you how to get those results. And turning up to castings, hundreds of, you know you've got to go to 100 castings to get one job. And that kind of work life and industry isn't for everyone. It's really difficult to not take no's personally and things like that. So it's difficult, but it teaches you a lot. Mm. So so how did you balance that? How how, how do you deal with rejection then as as, as an individual? Um, I think when it comes to job or financial or money, then it's knowing that you're not dependent entirely on that. And I never was and never have been enti- entirely dependent on one thing, actually, which is great. But um, emotionally, how did I deal with it? I think um, it's just like self-confidence and gaining experience in the industry to know that it's not personal. And when it comes to that fitness modeling side of things, they're looking for something and it's not always you. Um, But that experience gives me the the confidence even now and today when it comes to influencer marketing or getting jobs for this. I think it's the same for everything. It's very easy to take people's decisions personally, but you just got to realize that it's, it's not always you. It's some people might have an image in their mind that they're looking for. Mm. So what were the, what what were what were some of the low points then in in that period of your life? Because like that's mm. you know it's a good good chunk of your life, right? Six six yeah. years, and and I, and I assume that you were putting in the hours, right? You yeah. you based on your work ethic and everything. I assume mm-hmm. you were. So what were, what were some of the kind of highs and lows in that period? Um, I think the the highs of that um, period of my life was was I was very good at the the personal training journey, and I built up my. Uh, profile and clientele in David Lloyd really well and the reason why my life progressed into business and other things is because I peaked there wasn't really anywhere for me to go in David Lloyd apart from up the chain into a managerial way which really wasn't anything I wanted to do from a personal trainer you could then coach the other PTs and then manage different departments which really wasn't what I wanted to do the only way for me to earn more money was to work more hours and 
that's where the the business mind started to tick. Um, so that was probably the high point, which then triggered me to to do more in other ways. And low points um, with the, with the fitness modeling thing, I think it was a frustrating time for a lot of it. I think there were a lot of rejections, so it, I needed to pick myself up a lot. I remember even one agency. I was at the the agency I was with, but another guy said, "You'll never be a model." You'll never be a cover model with that tattoo on your arm. You're five foot nine. You'll never be a model. Like so, there was like constant mm. barriers where I can see a lot of people in my situation just kind of crumble or give up and go in a different direction. Which I didn't go in a different direction. I just kind of wormed my way and navigated what I know would work for me. So there's got to be that self awareness that I knocked on the doors of these fashion agencies where they need guys six foot, of course. And I would knock on those doors as a five foot nine guy and receive the same information every time. And I was like, well, it's, it's not, this isn't for me. It's got to have that self-awareness however I want it. Um, they'll, they'll want me in five years' time through another direction. Mm, <laughs> love it. That's a great attitude to have. Um, so was, was there... Was there a... Because there's, there's an obvious point in, in, in your career where now I don't know if they kind of coincided but this sudden realization that you know this the the online world your you as a brand did that just like click and you you said no to David Lloyd you handed in your notice etc was that was there was there a you know what people refer to as a eureka moment in all of this um there were probably a, a few small eureka moments that made me realize what I need to do um but I transitioned it quite um, tactically and slowly. I, quite lucky. I, I think a, per, a job as a personal trainer um, is quite a good hourly pay with lots of breaks in the day compared to somebody, let's say, who's in a really tough nine to five job who wants to make their side hustle work. Um, they've got to work from 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. to make it work, which I did as well. But I had lots of breaks and lots of gaps and my side hustle and real job were really well connected. So I probably had a year at David Lloyd where I was decreasing my hours, losing motivation, managers kicking my ass saying, come on, do some more work. And I'm like, I'm doing lots of work, just not right here, right now Mm. kind of thing. So I was I was building this CrocFit business and writing that first program and it was materializing in my mind and in product form until I until I launched CrocFit and it wasn't long after that that was feeding me a little bit of income. I had a private client as support and it was time to let David Lloyd go. Mm, interesting. Because mm. I, I know, you know, people listening to this show... I think it's going to, I think I'd, I'd love to think it appeals to a few groups, but one of the groups that I know it's going to appeal to is those people who have a full time job. Yeah. And they have this kind of side hustle mm-hmm. that they're trying to juggle. Yeah. So, what, what would be, you know, wh- whether it is a PT changing angle, whether it's someone in an insurance firm setting up a t shirt yeah. printing company on the side, whatever it is, what would be your advice around managing that side hustle and also knowing when to pull the trigger and, and, and yeah. to, go, to get going properly? Yeah, it's um, like the work is, it's just work. It really is like the hours are tough because like, you, ha- you have to still work hard at your real job and you can't let that go because that's what's feeding <laughs> your family and putting food on the table and the bills. Um, and it's tough to, to put those extra hours in and work till two and, and everything, especially me as a fitness person where half of my mind says, hey, sleep is so important, get your eight hours. <laughs> But work ethic, sleep for four hours because you've got work to do. And I've always battled with that in my mind. But um, I always thought that I released my product. Looking back now, it looks so rubbish, so dated, so terrible. But then... you still got I, the original version, right? I do, Amazing. yeah, Amazing. exactly. Okay. It's a Word document. And um, yeah, very, very basic. But I think it's there's lessons in that and that is you'll never be 100% ready to to press the trigger and go for it until you do it 
realize, oh crap, that's rubbish. I need to sort that out. And that like increases the intensity to make it happen and makes you scared, gives you that fear to speed up and make it happen. Because then you know, the quickest way to success is failure. It always is because you learn mm. so quick. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and yeah. then you can, you know, you'll speed up the process to give up that full-time job. Yeah. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And and one of the one of the things I always, it strikes me that when I kind of finish one part of my day, there's there's this moment where you, you, you as an individual, you make a choice about whether you're going to go home and, and, and relax. And, and, and that's cool. You know, you could go yeah. and see a friend glass of wine mm-hmm. catch up family members yeah. all really good stuff you could read you could whatever but there's this mo- there's this kind of magical moment where you make that decision about whether you're going to be kind of like focusing on something that day that only adds value that day or whether you're building something yeah so I guess that's you know, and that must be tough in your industry right because it's it's physical you're on your feet you're jumping yeah. from what six clients a day jumping bang bang mm-hmm. bang yeah so what so, so what was it in those moments like was you know what, what, how, how did you kind of get home late and continue to stay up late yeah um and you're right and as a personal trainer you're often working in those unsociable hours and it's the middle of the day that is emptier it's people are free first thing in the morning at five six seven a.m and at seven eight nine p.m so often it was those hours that were still personal training and it was trying to find the motivation in the middle of the day sometimes to Mm. get the extra work done but as I decreased my personal training and was doing less and had more free evenings, it was about putting in the time and effort into CrocFit mm. and um, making that business work. And it, yeah, it is difficult when you have that choice, especially if you've got a partner or your work, you're someone, and maybe they're not as ambitious and they're a bit more normal in the fact that they sit down and watch TV or something. So having that focus and motivation is tough. But I think... Um, it breeds the same energy. Like I found that my fiance, uh, she says that I have motivated her to work harder and live her passion and go mm. for it because she realized that I was in the evening having dinner and then getting straight back to work on the laptop. She was like, well, what shall I do then? I, I feel a bit bad watching TV. And that is like, that's really helped her. So I think your surroundings are really important for how you stay motivated, like your friends group and, and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. So I feel, I feel we've almost kind of dealt with the, with the starter now because we're kind of, we're about to kind of embark on the part of your life that you're best known for. Yeah. So you wrote that plan yeah. in a Word document. And then what happened? Um, that was October slash November 2015. Um, I I remember launching that like I'm very like I have no experience in business really like nobody teaches you these things or how to run these things I, I was on a holiday and I received my first sale and it was like wow all I've known until then like most people know is doing doing work to earn money whether you're personal training or i was fitness modeling i had to be somewhere to earn the money changing like, your time yeah yeah like most people do so for me to be on holiday or to go to sleep and wake up and realize i had a sale was was a bit of a moment like wow maybe i could actually do this help people give them what they need and earn money on a more flexible um scalable way um however I didn't set up any automations. I didn't know what I was doing on my website or anything like that. So I was away trying to send somebody this like 15 megabyte attachment or something not working because the Wi-Fi. And like I said a minute ago about learning fast is like, how do I set up this automation? Like, imagine if I'd received a thousand sales that day (laughs) (laughs) and I had to email everyone individually, like things like that. I could have waited to be ready, um, which I certainly wasn't. But I just went for it, think this is how people buy it and I can email it to them. And then you just learn as you go. Um, it, it was, I think, just a small handful of sales yeah. at, the end, at the end of that year. Um, and then from January 2016, things started to really progress. I gained more clarity in, in what I was doing. I, I had a fantastic friend and client called Bina who 
kind of joined me and helped me on the um, production of the actual quality of the work from the Word document to go into a much prettier publisher PDF and doing all of that much nicer, as well as some marketing help and a bit of strategy behind it, um, changed the name of the product and then started to grow the product from what it is to what it is now. So at that stage, the product was um, a standalone guide? Standalone, 12-week guide. I called it the CrocFit cover model body because I just earned my first magazine cover for Healthy for Men, and that triggered a response. I had like 10,000 Instagram followers at this point, so I I thought, um, wow, these people want to know what I'm training, they want to know what I'm eating, let's just write it down, and I made it quite personal to what I was doing, but um, for commercial reasons, I changed the name, made it more for for everybody else, which is called Gym Fit, which is the gym training plan, Um, but then that, that then... I realized that people need home training programs and bodyweight training programs. So then split the gym training program into a male and female to make it more commercial and change it up a little bit. Um, that then later, that kept me busy for a whole year or so. Um, but of course, you know, with business, you've got to keep bringing out products. But I didn't want to just, what I saw other people doing with online guides is just, Um, crossing a line through those old programs and writing a new one I thought I'd write a second one to the chapter and at that point I thought oh god a second one this is going to be hard work but I I knew that it was useful and people needed it Um, and I was also noticing that um, people find 12-week programs or online programs to follow really useful and love it but there is an inevitable motivation drop when it's over and when it's done, do you repeat it? Where do you go now? Following a plan is really motivating. So where I am now, or the end of last year really, is I created a second, a third, and a fourth to the three categories that I have, gym fit, home fit, and she fit, uh, which means that it's a one-year training program in each of those three categories, which is the USP and is the, the unique part of it, knowing that people can follow a progressive, varied training program for a whole entire year that keeps them interested, motivated, and ideally creating the healthy habits for life um, that people are really looking for, that often a short training program doesn't really um, completely um, sort out for them. Mm. So so in terms of your... your your revenue streams right now that explain you explain your model so you you obviously you pick up commercial work with 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 magazines and brands and then within within your kind of own business is it um is it still standalone is it a subscription still standalone um but that the subscription has always been in my mind and knowing that i've got a one-year product here um, plays in my mind knowing that people could subscribe weekly or monthly to this product no, helping them stay on track but also great for a business knowing that they don't just stop after 12 weeks without getting the next one mm. um, I'm you, we might get more into this but I'm developing the app for CrocFit mm. which means it will still be standalone but when it's developed and all the plans are on there the the route for subscription has got to be the way for this it might it might just be logistically quite difficult because everything is set up in the one-off purchase um, structure but i think the rejig and re- rejig of that structure for a subscription will be really good for the business mm, yeah and you seem like a type of guy who does like to kind of tweak things so yeah yeah that's exciting so so let's let's jump into the app then um yeah this feels like it's going to be the the jewel in your crown Yes, it's uh, it's been a really tough year. I started this process in January, um, and considering that every like since I launched CrocFit, I have been developing the next product or talking about the next product, the next plan release, and for marketing, that's really good. It keep keeps people interested. They know what's coming next. Since getting this one year plan. USP. I've released nothing else since because I thought the app process might not take very long in January and we're now here in December on the edge of launching but that's still one year 
um, and it's been a really tough year mm. um, because of that fact. Me being excited about the app, talking to people about it, but it taking much longer than expected uh, for various reasons. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be good. It's going to take the service to the next level. So it's just been one of those year, years that maybe my focus has had to have been in various other places, knowing that CrocFit has had to maybe stabilize ready for a better 2019. Yeah. So, so have we got a launch date? Not yet, but we're, <laughs> we're right on the edge of taking the app to the review process in the app stores, which will then take a week or two weeks. So I'm really hoping that it's a, it's a December launch in the next few weeks. Very cool. Which I'm not sure when this podcast goes out, so maybe it will be launched already. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so we, you mentioned earlier about your, your kind of routine. Like, it really seems that you're... Are you quite a disciplined person in terms of how you structure your day? Like, how, how, how do you get what you've obviously... You know, you've achieved a lot. How do you get it done? Um, yeah, I think I go through phases of being... Um, really focused and good with my routine and other times it goes out there <laughs> it just flies off and I'm rubbish at it but I think when I'm at home and I'm focused on crockfit it's easy I'm so motivated like motivation has never been my problem there's always something to do as you know um, the only limitation is time and because this year especially and summer last year my my focus and time has gone into so many different things. I'm juggling um, so many different hats. It's not just the CrocFit business, but um, the social media and the marketing of the business, as well as the vlogging on YouTube, and as well as being a, uh, an, influence, an influencer for brands and working with brands as well and satisfying any contracts I have running for that, as well as attending events and being in London and being present like bearing in mind I live in Surrey so the London too much time in London decreases my productive time on the laptop and the business so I go through phases of of really working too hard on one thing and neglecting the other and then switching it around struggling to get that balance um, but either way I'm working hard mm. in something <laughs> So do you, do you always, like you, you mentioned like being self-aware earlier, do you, do you kind of, because when you are busy, you tend to kind of like, you, you tend to be in the, you know, in the trenches, don't you? And you, you, you yeah. tend to not stick your head up. What's, do you periodically review what's on your plate? Do you have like a month, like how, is there any kind of like formal way where you kind of stand back and say, I'm actually juggling a little bit too much, or maybe I can add a little bit more? Um, I don't think I've done any formal ways. I think it's more of a conscious thing. Like I know sometimes if I've let something go a little bit and I've spent too much time doing something else, um, like it has happened a couple of times with being too much of an influencer and turning up to too many events that I don't have to go to and really neglecting CrocFit. And I think that's happened a little bit this year. Um, whether you see that impact on on sales necessarily but more so probably just awareness of the brand and the business crockfit means more to me than anything else so i know that if people don't know what it is or what i'm doing or, or what my my main job is then i feel like i've let it go a little bit mm, interesting this is always this is an, probably an increasingly juicy topic to talk about but what what's what's your you you are an influencer yeah and i think when someone says that word normally people have simultaneously mixed reactions yeah because we we know they have their place and and they can inspire lead educate humor the whole thing but at the same time there's there's this kind of almost suggestion that there's a like an aftertaste yeah um so what do you think to the industry at the moment in that respect? What, what's your view on, on having been, you said you got in early with Instagram. Yeah. Um, how do you think, you know, what, what, what do you think in the last four years of like meteoric growth in terms of the number of influencers and where do you think it's, that space is going? Mm. Um, I don't like the word either. I don't like calling myself an influencer. Um, and I wouldn't first off say that I'm an influencer. But I think for brands who are 
selling products who do influencer marketing they like the word influencer because they're using influencers so it's nice to for them to call me an influencer they need to call you something right <laughs> exactly yeah. um i think the first couple of years of influencer marketing was like a complete massive mess of um just throwing products and throwing money at people and seeing what happens and i think the change recently this year and for next year is it's um it's a lot more formal i think um there's a lot more analytics behind what influencers can do for brands and companies and companies are understanding a bit more um what they can do strategically with influencer marketing but um also i know that the viewers on social media and people that consume this um this kind of content are becoming aware of what's real and what's not and what's right and what's wrong and who's doing it just for the money and integrity and authenticity is everything and it will continue to go that direction mm. i think it will be a massive business and it will continue to grow and grow and grow because it's still probably underpriced um for what influencers are earning i think companies i think it's probably the best form of marketing because you're seeing a brand new audience with real followers so i think it will continue to grow but authenticity is is everything definitely interesting but, yeah yeah no I, i i think it's an interesting point where i think whenever i come back to it i think people are wising up to yeah. people that are disingenuous and aren't you know, don't show that integrity but then all of a sudden you get these skinny coffee club yeah. brands come along or booty or whatever it is and yeah. you just think we're, we're, we're not even back to square one we're, no. in, the mi- we're in the minus figures <laughs> yeah, again yeah exactly uh, and, and I, because and, money yeah. talks I think because when these big companies have the money these influencers really struggle to say no so I think from a consumer perspective you have to think who am I following are they solely dependent on income from influencer marketing if so if that's their only route to income be careful what you trust mm. if they're doing influencer marketing as a part of their revenue income from their business or a full-time job or blog or like other things then then maybe they they are saying no to some other things as well as yes because mm. if you know you don't require influencer money um to earn a living and it's just a nice added extra then you have the freedom to say no to skinny coffee club and mm. and all that rubbish so you must have said no to brands oh yeah more than yes more than yes now that's that's kind of a nice position to be in yeah now now what's i mean you've got three years of formal education six years of on the gym floor plus all the extra work you've done so is that where the no comes from your your kind of understanding of what people need and the integrity or is it just there's a bit of brand misalignment or um yes i think the um the experience of all that time um but yeah i know the authenticity i know what comes across and i know that i've worked really hard to build that following and the last thing i want to do is is throw something that i don't believe in front of them and make them feel different about me just for the money yeah. of what that company might be giving me and because i can earn money elsewhere and my main focus is crockfit and i have this big following to potentially sell crockfit to then that should be my priority over selling something else mm. so i say yes to um brands which align with what i'm doing and have the same values and same beliefs and i feel really comfortable and happy um putting that in front of my my viewers Mm. and i think they don't mind it knowing that i'm getting paid for it as well because that trust gets built and as soon as i throw out something that they're like wait what a minute what is he promoting now that trust could potentially start to get ripped apart yeah it is fragile yeah yeah that's definitely. interesting i mean at fresh fitness food we we get approached by a lot of people who who want to sit in that sponsored athlete in you know yeah. what, what, what we call ambassador space but we also get approached by brands increasingly on the content front they want to write pieces of content for us and either host it on our site or their site got approached by a vaping company the other day yeah. <laughs> and I was literally like I, I, I mean through the screen I was saying like what the fuck are you doing yeah. and I was like just to be clear 
you see there's value in us partnering with you and you partnering with us. You're a vaping company. Yeah. And we are a fitness food company. Mm -hmm. Came back really confident. Yeah, we'd love to get some yeah. sponsors. I was like, like, is this, is it just, it must just be a numbers game for some companies and they, they, don't, they don't care. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just neediness, a numbers game, right? Just throw out this email to so many yeah. and see who comes back. So what, what key piece of advice then? Because, there, there, I mean, there are so... I mean, you can't go into a gym these days without people taking pictures themselves. And, 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 and there's putting aside the kind of ego, of, of, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people are, that's their, that's their, you wanted to be a footballer when you were 19. And, yeah. and I think that's being chipped away at, but I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a, yeah. you know, an influencer. So what would be your kind of like, you know, one or two, three piece of advice for someone who's sat there weighing up further studies, football, accounting, or... <laughs> to leverage their personal brand on, on, online? Yeah, um, I think the personal brand and YouTubing and, and documenting what you're doing is really strong and is getting bigger and bigger. Um, but at the same time, you could be documenting what you're doing to, to build that business or work for that job or pursue the, the football career or something. So I think people all these youngsters coming out now thinking about I want to be a YouTuber which is great and you probably you might be able to but not putting all of all of all of your eggs all your eggs in that basket um, because it's never going to work like that unless you got mummy and daddy supplying you or something it's you can do the whole social media journey and YouTube um, as long as you're working in all other directions as mm. well do you think it's become harder now? I mean, you, you've, you've obviously got an incredibly strong platform to get your next hundred, get your next thousand followers. Do you think it's harder to start up now, you know, um, digging into the way that kind of Facebook mm -hmm. and, and, and Instagram are looking to, you know, I, I guess monetize mm. the ability for people to grow? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's harder. I think... Um, I think it's just different. I think obviously this space is much more overcrowded, but that means you can see what's working and you ha you can use other people's experience to grow. Um, but people do complain about the algorithm and how Facebook and Instagram is becoming a lot more commercial to grow. But it's just the quality of content. If you want to get into it and produce good quality content with consistency, then um, then it can work and, and will work. Um, and there's nothing wrong if you have a business to spend money on Facebook and Instagram. It's, it's a very good way to spend marketing money. Facebook obviously is, feels a lot more commercial to me than Instagram is, but apparently Instagram is following or will be following. Like an organic reach on my Instagram will go a lot further than um, the same post on Facebook, for example. Facebook seems to die with those kind of posts unless you put money behind it um, but it's uh, it's just a different time to be alive whether you're a, a creator or a business owner compared to just a few years ago hmm interesting so in, ter so in, in, in terms of kind of like social media and content production as, as a whole you're kind of much more focused on YouTube and Instagram today well I do everything um, Instagram is Instagram and YouTube is certainly my main focus, um, but inevitably what I create funnels down to Facebook and Twitter as well. Um, but my, my focus of creation is definitely for YouTube mm. and Instagram because that's what has grown the most for me and shows the best results. And, and let's just stay on this because this is, this, is, this is something that I'm personally trying to, to, to you know, having never tried to build my brand you know a few months ago I started the process how, how do you have a, do you have a schedule do you say like okay I post this many times a day on this platform and you know is that is that how you you approach things um yeah I've gone through phases of having a schedule in regards to what I know is coming up and, and what I plan to post sometimes that catches up with me and I'm just living each day as it comes and posting as I go but um I'm very consistent I have posted every day for a long time um, which a lot of people struggle to do and it is hard to do but as soon as I had that transition from 
personal training to CrocFit and social media, I saw it as a part of my job and I made that a priority for what I, for what I do. Mm. Do you think you always need to be posting fresh content or do you kind of like, are you happy to go back a year, six months, repurpose, mm. stick another skin on it, another message and send it out again? Um, well, I haven't done this much, but I really should because um, I watch other successful people do this and not everybody sees your content. So re-putting stuff out there is a good thing to do. If something works and you use your analytics to see the reach of a post and, and the successful ones, then put it back out there. But that's something that um, I've been meaning to do and probably will start doing a bit more. Yeah. Especially on um, things like Instagram and Facebook, probably not YouTube because it's already out there and I find the YouTube growth videos continue to get seen for a lot longer mm, um, compared to Instagram and Facebook when it's gone it kind of dies never to be seen again so reposting good things I think is really useful mm, that's interesting never really thought about that like ever- yeah I guess YouTube is a bit more evergreen in that respect yeah it, it is around. yeah interesting yeah um, so what what's been your who would you say your biggest source of... You mentioned the kind of the, the, the relationship you have with your fiancé and, and, and her taking a lot of inspiration from you. Who's been your biggest source of inspiration? If it's a person or a thing or yeah. an idea, like where, where does that come from? Um, I really think that um, I had a fantastic upbringing. Like, I wasn't... Like, my mum and dad, I think, are great parents and... I wasn't given everything. I think I've always worked hard and the way they treated me, I think, has been perfect from I had a paper round when I was, like, that was my first job, very young, getting up at 5.30, putting on five jumpers to go out there and do a paper round to earn 20 pounds a week to buy my own ice creams and things like that just gave me so much value for work ethic and ownership of, of what I have and using what I have to, to get me to where I want to go rather than being given it all. Love it. And I feel that that, through my upbringing and various different examples, um, has like really like make, made me who I am today. And I think your upbringing really does make you who you are. So you're going to let your kids work? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I will be. Too, too Treat right. them well <laughs> you know, and, you know, be a great parent. But I think um, working and understanding that value is, is really important. Um, so in that, in that inspiration, um, I have really simple financial goals and inspiration. Like, we've never had, like, lots of money we're not well off we're just a middle class family they both got mortgages to pay um i have a simple financial goal to just make my parents mortgage free and bill free um just to ease the stress off of them they're both still working and um that's very cool by the way yeah it's just an initial goal which i've been earning well the last few years but um not enough to reach those goals yet so I feel very motivated to, to, it's like a give back. It's like you really helped me become the success that I am becoming. So mm, let me yeah. give back. And, and you in particular, you gave birth to me. So yeah. thank you for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you in particular. <laughs> exactly. So um, that inspires me every day to, um, yeah, work hard and keep making this happen. Oh, hats off. That's very cool because um, it's, it's easy to go another route, right? You could say actually that your, your growth on Instagram could be fueled if you, if you happen to have a Lambo. Yeah, I know. And uh, we could have uh, spoken about this as well because, yeah, a lot of people like to show off their wealth. And I think as a young business person, it's really, really tempting to earn a bit of cash, earn more than the normal person and um, show that you're a success instead of holding it back, investing, keeping the cash and growing some actual capital. And like I have with the app, the app is mm. expensive and it was a big risk for me okay. and I didn't take a single loan, haven't you borrowed have any. You say how much you're, you're spending in, on the app? Um, I'm currently at about £26,000 okay. and that's just kind of the launch of the app with the first program called Gym Fit One. Just so, iOS or? Um, no, Android, Android as well, well, worldwide. And it will continue to... Um, maybe another 10 to 15,000 pounds after that. Um, and then when there's updates as well, and then I'll be paying continuously with all that. And this is all my own money investment from the business over the past few years. Um, so yeah, it's really 
tempting to put the money into a Lambo mm. and into nice watches and stuff like that to show all your followers and people watching that yeah that I'm finding success so um, that's not what I'd recommend people do yeah <laughs> so, uh, do, do, do you have any uh, you know girls even have shoes or handbags I like my whiskey that's my kind of yeah. like, that's my luxurious <laughs> investment do, do you have something to, how do you treat yourself a holiday or is uh, I, I reckon my biggest expense uh, are the trips and the holidays yeah like what we've just done big adventures um, maybe a nice ring for my fiance is a bit of an expense but I love my whiskey too so when it comes Good. to oh we'll have to have, yeah. we'll, we'll have, oh, to have a drink I think so I Christmas like coming up yeah yeah I, I, I bought um, oh god this is going so off piste <laughs> so I, I subscribe to loads of um, whiskey you know, newsletters from this distillery etc yeah. and I, earlier in the year I tried to buy this bottle of whiskey that McAllen released as a limited edition and oh this is uh, myself and my my girlfriend who comes from Scotland we managed to persuade her elderly grandfather to queue up to try to get this bottle because one per person from the shop and he turned up poor old bugger like he just got turned away so he queued up and he got turned away because it was like all gone but yesterday I got an email saying like you know we're releasing a few online and they'd gone within 12 minutes but I managed to I managed to buy one girlfriend and I phoned yeah. our head of sales uh, it, you everyone is in the key yeah. I was like phoning the fourth person when I saw online it was like sold out so. wow <laughs> yeah I don't know if I'm going to sell it or drink it though. that's the problem um, cool so um, I think I might know the, uh, at least one part to the, the answer to this next question but what are you most proud of when you look back on your, on, on your career is it, is, it a, is it the consistency of, of continual growth or is there like some big milestones like what sticks out um, it's, you're right. It certainly is the consistency of um, of everything. Everything that I've done has been just a consistent effort to keep going. Um, there have, of course, been some milestones that were, that were small risks along the way, like getting into the details of the whole David Lloyd thing. It, like I was there probably a year longer than I needed to be there. Um, it was hard to let things go. It is hard to let things go that has supported you for that time. So... Um, a bit of a bit of turmoil happened with me and David Lloyd around this particular time. I wasn't doing much there. So for me to just drop it and go and have faith in my business and everything else that I was doing, I was proud of that moment and my mum calling me up saying, are you sure you haven't got a job? And like To go from employed to completely self-employed is um, a pretty big step. I was always confident in the moment, um, but it's still a risk nonetheless. And that's a bit of a generational thing, isn't it? Like my, yeah. my mum and dad, I know, shifting from a corporate lawyer yeah. to, I'm cooking in my flat now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is a slightly generational thing. I think we, yeah. we're, we're, we're a bit more nomadic and we jump yeah. from, you know, but that's interesting. Yeah, we know what, what the, the modern life can do for us. Mm. So that was that. Um, but I think... What I'm proud of, uh, there's probably milestones along the way, but um, overall, I'm quite proud of my ability to juggle everything at once. I know for a fact that if I was able to focus entirely on one avenue, let's say CrocFit, then I think CrocFit and the business and the plans would be a lot more advanced than it is now. And what I've done for three or four years is this constant spread of energy in so many different directions um, which has made them all grow at similar speeds rather than dedicating one thing. Um, and I think my advice to a lot of people is to focus on one thing and make it grow. And that's not what I've done because when you chase two rabbits, you catch neither. Mm. And I know that many times in my life and what I'm doing. Um, but I think I'm quite proud of that because I've built a following on all platforms. I've become a, a fitness model in various magazines and worked around UK and Europe as a fitness model. I'm an influencer for lots of brands as well as building a business of my own. So I think I'm proud of just the the sheer kind of juggling of everything at once, which is really hard to do. That's very cool. Yeah, interesting. Um, so what does the future hold? Like where where do you see yourself in... How far should we go? <laughs> Where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, it's uh, like I think about this quite a lot. And with the CrocFit business, I really see it as 
being bigger and being successful. But I also see myself, I, I don't want that 100% complete association with it. I see it being a strength of its own. And I see myself now in the next five years being bigger than it. And with that, I mean building my profile and not just sitting in this um, creator space, but even playing with the thoughts of um, acting and, and traveling around and and seeing what other skills I can grow in different industries and in different directions, because you never really know what you're capable of um, until you go for it. And so many of the things that I'm achieving now um, I first thought was impossible and then thought about doing it and manifesting it. So I thought, why did I think so small? <laughs> why don't you think of something massive and manifest that and see mm. if you can go for that instead? So a Hollywood movie star would be fantastic. Amazing. <laughs> and I know that that kind of profile would then benefit Crockfit, the the charities that I think of and support and various other things, my family and friends. Um, so yeah, there's, I'm always going to be in business and building Crockfit. Maybe I'll be so wealthy that it will be a penny to sign up to or something like that, <laughs> or a pound cool. to sign up to or give it all to charity. I don't know, but I have big goals. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> that sounds exciting. Yeah. And things do feel impossible until... Until you've done it. Until you've done it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, that's and then you how look people back, do it. Yeah. Like the, the magazine covers. I, was, I remember as a teenage boy looking on the front of those magazines thinking, how the hell am I ever going to do that? I don't know anyone. I don't, I don't even have that body yet. Like all these things. But, and then you realize, wait a minute, I'm talking to the editor of Men's Fitness yeah, and like, and you just don't realise what's capable, what you're capable of. Was that a good moment? You you appeared on the front of Men's Fitness Men's recently. Fitness. Yeah, that was a really good moment. That yeah, was, I bet that was like I did have a cover before that, but I think a lot of people really like a lot of young teenage boys look at this Men's Fitness magazine and think think that's the dream. Awesome. Um, so it was a really weird moment. I yeah. still see it now. Good I have breath. my office at home to try and keep me motivated and focused. I have this what I call a wall of achievement. Um, I'll have to show you a picture. And um, it's not for ego, not for anything else, but I want to walk into that room and look at those various things that I framed and think, I can do anything I set my mind to because look at those things. You just need a Grammy they, now. Yeah, exactly. Just put my Grammy up there. How many How many <laughs> copies of Men's Fitness has your mum got? That's, that's the big question here. Oh, she loved going to the shops I bet she and did. saying, hey, this this is my son. <laughs> that's the reason why I'm buying 500. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. So, name of the show, The Startup Blueprint. And I end every show in the same way. And it's by asking you to imagine a world where you can produce a blueprint, the perfect blueprint to run CrocFit and your and your entrepreneurial empire today. You get to go back and you get to give that blueprint to your younger self. I'm going to ask you a few quick fire questions and it's all about what's in that blueprint. So here we go. The most important characteristic that an entrepreneur needs? Perseverance. The most important daily habit? Waking up, never giving up and uh, working hard. The biggest mistake to avoid? Thinking failure and setbacks means you've got to stop. One piece of advice when it comes to managing your finances, cash flow and a limited budget? Realise that resources, resources uh, don't have to be financial. There are always resources. Um, available to you just do what you have one piece of advice when it comes to sales and marketing um, you've got to show personality and relatability to your audience um, not just a hard sell one piece of advice when it comes to developing the right mindset I think that is just understanding what you want, being motivated about it and just doing it every single day and realizing that you can achieve it, self-belief. Final question. 
as you hand the blueprint over to your younger self, what do you say? I've looked into your future and you'll do just fine. Just go for it. Alex Crockford, ladies and gentlemen, he is such a nice guy and he is so full of positivity. What's more, I learned an absolute load from this episode. So what are the key takeaways? Firstly, the success that Alex has enjoyed is directly attributable to his hard work, consistency and perseverance. This is actually a recurring theme in every episode of the Startup Blueprint and in the startup space generally, but don't fall into a trap and become numb to how critical this message is or how it really does distinguish between failure and success. Secondly, Alex demonstrates the importance of balancing balancing short and long-term goals and the need to take action today, as in right now, in order to move a step closer to where you want to be in the future. And speaking of goals, I absolutely love Alex's advice on setting big goals in life, or as he puts it, focusing on something massive and then manifesting that instead of a smaller, safer goal. Alex has been able to juggle different roles and responsibilities. At the same time, he offers some incredibly useful advice. When you chase two rabbits, you catch neither. This is incredibly useful advice for entrepreneurs who typically have too many ideas rather than too few. However, the single most important lesson for me comes from when Alex decided to leave David Lloyd and the world of one-to-one personal training. In doing so, he walked away from a steady, steady income and a secure job. In his own words, it's always hard to walk away from things that have supported you. But Alex is a reminder that you need to have faith in yourself and remember that you only realize your true potential when you take a leap of faith and go for it. My name is Jared Williams and this has been The Startup Blueprint, the podcast designed for entrepreneurs, startups, and anyone who's ever wanted to turn a good idea into a great business.